0: let's get to it welcome to the schoolhouse podcast where it is jumping all right so of course before we get started i would like to say the objective of the schoolhouse podcast the objective of the schoolhouse podcast is to provide a safe place for educators also as well, if your school or district is looking for a speaker to present at your school, please email me at PurposeOriginatePurpose.com. Let's go ahead and get into it. All right. Can you please introduce the people about you, John?
1: Uh, well, my name is John Cripo. Um, teaching was actually like a third career for me. I didn't start teaching until I was about 31. Um, school was not fun for me. Uh I didn't necessarily have a bad experience, it just, it, it was boring, I didn't have a lot of friends, uh, I was kind of an outsider, and so for me, uh, teaching is really about trying to create an environment where kids can be their best selves, like, we spend so much time in school, and there's so many kids that are just, all they're doing all day is watching the clock, like, when can I get out of here, and, and I think that our profession uh, owes it to kids to make school the best part of their day. So that's kind of my jam. Uh, I've got about 19 years in the classroom. Uh, I got to open a high school from scratch uh, with a friend of mine. And we grew up from like 30 kids to like 500 kids. And it's 14 years old now. Um, I've gotten to be an assistant superintendent. Um, There's a a large educational nonprofit in California called Q. We have about 27,000 members. I was the executive director of that for a while. Uh, my friends and I wrote some books called Edge of Protocols. I think I sent you one already. And um, we uh, we do that pretty much full time now as we go to schools and we help teachers have a, a, a far more successful academic outcome. And what they tell us over and over again is when they start teaching this way, they start l- just enjoying the kids so much more. So that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: Mm, you gotta, so you still have that high school to this
1: day? No, I've I've moved on, but all my oh. kids all my kids went there, and it's like four miles from my house. So, I go and I hang out there once in a while, and I'm still in touch with a lot of the teachers.
0: Got you, got you, got you. Okay, sounds good. They, they sounds keep
1: good. trying to recruit me to be a D line coach every year, and I told them I'd love to, but I just my schedule doesn't it's my schedule. I'd be flaking out from practice all the time, and that's not good. Not good modeling for the guys. <laughs> oh, so
0: you you familiar with you familiar
1: with this you familiar with football? As oh well, yeah,
0: I, I was D one, buddy. Oh, you was D one? <laughs> I was D one. Oh, oh I didn't yeah. Like that. Yeah. Oh, um, just I, please. What position did you play?
1: Well, I'm five six, one 160. So guess what position I played?
0: You was about five six? I give it say I say a cornerback.
1: Dude, I'm like a 4'8", 40. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. you ran a four eight.
1: Yeah, that was I was not fast. Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Four A yeah, yeah. That's that's not too bad. I mean, it's
1: not horrible, but it's slow right. for a linebacker.
0: <laughs> so I ain't gonna
1: play corner like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So five six. So you didn't play I won't say safety, nah.
1: So no, he was at, no, 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 no. Nope, nope. Too small. Five six, bro. Five six. Five six. I played nose guard.
2: That's too small for a nose guard.
1: I will show you – I will I will send you my highlight reel later. My signature move, after I would get a sack, I would do a backflip.
0: Oh, wow. Because those guards usually, like, they the, – I mean, they the big guys.
1: Yeah, I was the smallest guy out of the whole defensive line by about seven inches and 120 pounds. <laughs> okay. Uh, my defensive line coach when I played at President State actually went on, and he, he coached Aaron Donald when Aaron Donald came on board with the Rams. So um, uh I had really good coaching lineage where I was.
0: Got you, got you, got you. And that
1: taught me a lot about teaching. Cuz guess yeah. what we do in teaching? We do spaced repetitions. Uh we give feedback. Uh we teach uh the players how to run systems and make decisions. You know, do we want to do cover 2 right here or are we going to go uh are we going to go uh, uh Miami Miami 2? You know, what are we going to do here? And so uh teaching has a, lo- a lot of similarities to coaching.
0: Mm, mm. Very true. And kind of let's kind of go back because you mentioned that education was not your first option. Yeah. So, so what inspires you or how did you come across education?
1: Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool story. Actually, my wife, when I, uh, when I was dating her, she was, she was, uh, uh, getting ready to become a teacher. And so, uh, we'd been married for about i don't know 3 or 4 years and she decided to teach summer school and uh she's not really a history person but she was teaching high school history for summer school and i was like hey i got some ideas and uh i had a really good time planning her lessons it was really really fun yes. and then um i did the business thing you know i did marketing advertising technology and and it, it was cool and i was i was doing okay but i wasn't really loving it and so um her high school cheerleading coach was her assistant soup. So when she had been in high school, this was her coach, right? Now she's teaching and this guy's her area superintendent. And uh, so we were at the age where we kept going to all these weddings of all of her friends and he was there cause he was their coach. And we kept talking at dinner every time cause we were the only two guys. And after like five weddings, he's like, bro, you should go into teaching. Mm. And uh, literally by the second day, I was like, "Oh, this is my jam! Like, this is what I do." I met it, and it's just absolutely been a love affair ever since. There's a a, a really good quote about um, the mayor of New York, uh, Mayor Laguardia, and some at uh, one time somebody asked his press guy, "What are the mayor's hobbies?" And uh, his press secretary said, "The mayor's hobby is his work." And I was like, "Oh, that's what it feels like mm. when I'm teaching." Like. Nobody makes me go to school to teach. I love it. I love working with kids. I love working with teachers. So wow. um, it's pre- kind of a cool switch because I, I think it's a big benefit for me because I, I was never above a 3.0 student except for my last two years of college. So I'm like a 2.9 every year. Like every report card says if John would apply himself, he would get A's. You know, mm-hmm. John would pay more attention. Like every report card. And mm-hmm. so I know what it's like to be that guy who's just waiting to get out of class. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've also worked on the outside of teaching. And I'm going to tell you what: all oh, for any teachers that are listening, teaching is a hard job. But I got I got news for you guys: if you've never worked in teach in say anything but teaching, every job is hard. Mm. And, and and it's like I have a friend uh, that I met. He was one of the kids' parents um, at the high school that we started. And it's kind of cool. He's a general now. Like when I met him, he was a major. Now he's a general. So I know a general. That's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but he told me this saying one time. He said, John, pain is mandatory. Misery is optional.
0: Write that down and for that, me.
1: that blew my mind because I was like, you're right. There's nothing I can do to make teaching easy you've got 30 human souls in your class you're up saturday night wondering about this kid and thinking about that kid and trying to figure out how you're going to get through to these two kids and 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 did they make it home from the the field trip with the, or the football game you know you're you're carrying all those personalities and there's all the pressure of state testing and then you got to figure out how to make your stuff fit with the district there's all that stuff going on but it doesn't have to be miserable. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be hard or here's an even easier analogy. Dre running. Think of runners running hurts, yeah. but, but they're willing to trade the pain for the payoff, right? Mm-hmm. And right? You don't see a lot of people who are runners that say, I freaking hate running because they, they see the trade off there. So I think it's really important for teachers. To understand that paradox between pain and misery.
0: Mm, I like how you put that. So how was it? How was it for your, um, how was that transition? Because you said you were in marketing in business. So how was that transition going into your first year teaching? What was the experience like for you?
1: Oh, yeah. And you're going to love this too. So uh, my first day of teaching was April Fool's. So my teacher's credential says April one, <laughs> um, April one, April fools. So right. um, it was, it was, um, it was probably like everybody's, it was kind of a whirlwind. There's, there's all these terms coming at you like, oh, we got to have an SST. And we got to meet to the SSC. And we got title one. We got we got a SPED meeting and we got to talk to the ELs. You know, there's all that vocabulary is coming at me. And, um, that was, that was wild. That was wild. What I did, I think that was kind of smart though, was, and this is Dre, this is how green I was. I literally did my first month of teaching before I did any teaching classes. Hmm. I was an emergency credential teacher. So I already had my bachelor's degree, but I didn't have my teaching credential and right. this was in the late 90s when this, this particular district was growing like crazy. And they were. this was pre-NCLB. They're just hiring people going, come on, I need a person. And um, I'll tell you what, after about three days, part of my brain was getting tripped out by all the verbiage and all the vocabulary. But the other part of me was totally at peace because I was realizing that interacting with the kids was the most important thing I was going to do. Hmm getting mm-hmm. to know the kids, getting to the kids to appreciate what I wanted to bring to them. I, I, I taught in a Title I school is a fairly impoverished neighborhood. We had about 40% transi at that, transiency at that school, which meant between October and March, half of my class had switched. They, they were at different schools.
2: Oh, wow. Half,
1: half of my class was new. Yeah. And um, the thing was, though, that I realized that Whether I had them for a day or a month or a year, uh, the the phrase that popped into my head was ambassador to adulthood. I wanted them to see what it was like to be a 30-year-old guy who owned a house and went to a job that he liked and interacted with people in a way that my goal was to help them be their best self. Notice I didn't say be their best student because I'm trying to get that language out of their head because everybody's not a 4.0 but that doesn't mean you're a bad person right right Right. and so like can you be creative can you be a hard worker can you be uh inventive can you be good at communicating those Mm. things are all bigger than grades and i'm gonna i'm gonna flash forward about three years three years into my career i got given a class that was uh kind of a voluntary class uh, kids could take it just because they wanted to be not in the regular classes. And one of the kids that showed up in my class on his little cube folder, you get the little manila folder, right? It mm-hmm. said there's a post-it note that says Aaron doesn't meet the graduation requirements, but we don't want him back from the seventh grade. And I thought, what kind of audacity would write that about a kid You know, we don't want him back. His Mm. GPA was a 1.8. And so Mm. I made a special effort to get to know him. And uh, we were doing a project-based class that year. And he loved videoing and making videos. And I basically tricked him into working on my language arts and math so that he could video all the time. And long story short, he ended up graduating high school with like a 3.1 GPA, which is just fine. And as we speak today, Dre, dude owns three businesses, probably makes 40 grand a month. And he calls me after 15 years and says, I need you to figure out how to become an ordained minister because I want you to marry me at my wedding. I want you to perform the ceremony. But that's the kind of connections you can yeah. make with people in this career. And guess what? When Aaron was in my class, he never got straight A's. And I didn't care. I, yeah. was, I was showing him that he knew how to create things. And he was smart. And he could figure out the camera. And he could explain things to other kids. And now what does he do? Three, he owns three businesses, dude. His house is twice as big as mine. He just bought the biggest barbecue in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, he's he's living good and that's because I saw the transcendent aspects of being an educator, not just an academics coach, right? So you got to see that bigger picture. And I've been talking forever. So jump no, in you're,
0: there. You're fine, man. I mean, I think and it 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 kind of reflects back, you know, when you mention his story, it just reminds me of the type of student I was and how a lot of things changed for me because it was people from church that just so happened to be educators. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the whole like them because they will come and tutor me. But right. what helped me to see like a difference is I just felt loved because they were present right. and they would the end. way
1: they the way they treated you yeah. was more important than the academic outcome, right? Right, right. And then paradoxically, the more you cared about them, the academics get better. And it's that a complex, sure. it's a complex human reaction. Yeah. And it's not as easy as standing in front of the class and making kids be quiet while you talk and then making turn in worksheets and then telling them they're bad at it. It mm. turns out that's not a super effective technique. And so frankly, t- it's not that much fun to be that guy doing it either. What's, what's <laughs> the fun right.
0: right. And let's talk about some of those techniques, man. So you said that technique in particular, getting kids to be quiet while the teacher is talking. Why? Well, one, let's start off with the first one. Why is that not effective? Why do you think that's not effective?
1: Um... If you want to cut it down to the essence of it, uh, the reason it's not effective is because talking doesn't give you a skill. Or Mm. I should say listening doesn't give you a skill. So, like, let's just use Etsy or um, Pinterest or YouTube. Okay. You watch a video on how to weld. Are you now a welder? No. No. You know where to start. You know where to start. You're like, oh, I need this and I need this. Is your first weld good? It is not. (laughs) If you watch a thing about building a chicken coop, for example, do you think your first chicken coop is awesome? Probably not. So take this into the classroom. I'm going to tell you about something Mm. and then you're going to answer a Scantron about it to prove that you listened. But what did you learn about summarizing? Mm. What did you learn about taking a bias or a perspective? What Mm. did you learn about annotating? What did you learn about citing your source? What did you learn about visually reconstructing what you learned? Nothing. All you can do is color in bubbles. Mm. So in a classroom where kids just answer questions all day, they don't gain any skills. Mm. And when they do it day after day, they know they don't have any skills. Yeah. They can't articulate it because they're kids. But yeah. let me put it this way. If I took a bunch of adults and put them in a room and talked to them about cooking every day for six hours, but we never right. cooked, how long before the adults would quit my class?
0: I don't think it will probably if you, if you just like be about talk,
1: three days. <laughs> right. All I'm doing is talking about food. We never taste food. We never make food. Is, and we don't talk about food. I tell you about food. That's boring?
0: That That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, take a
1: gardening class where we start off by doing a word search about gardening. How long are you going to stay in that class, dude?
0: Probably a very short period of time.
1: Let's take a beer tasting class. And then we watch a video and fill in a, a word search about beer. How long are you going to stay in that class?
2: Probably you not know stay in that
1: class is very long. No, no. <laughs> but kids are defenseless. They don't understand mm. how to explain what it feels like to be that kid.
2: Mm.
0: And so, I mean, I think so. I well, I think that I like that perspective because I can see like why, like I know for me, like why school was boring and why I used to fall asleep a lot, because it was just a lecture. And to this day, even when I'm in college, sometimes it's hard for me to stay awake. Hearing mm-hmm. somebody just talk for an hour and 30 minutes is hard. <laughs> and so even, okay, let's, okay. So what are some healthy techniques mm-hmm. during this time in this pandemic? Because I mean, what if school say schools go back virtual? So what are some techniques you've, you know, from your I- experience, that teachers can use to have students' attention rate at a higher level?
1: Um, I think that uh, the ones we talk about in interprotocols, Protocols, they, they work virtually or locally. Okay. So Because good pedagogy is always good pedagogy. And remember, yeah. our jam is getting kids to do more work. So have you heard of Kahoot at all? Have you got that Ooh. far into teaching? Yeah.
0: Well, see, I work at the after-school program, so we do okay. use
1: So um, you take, there's actually tools I prefer more than Kahoot, but visualize this. In one classroom, I hand out a bunch of timed math tests, you know, four times zero, six times two, six times three. I hand those out on paper and I uh, tell you guys that you got to be done in three minutes or you don't pass. And then we just do it every day and you never get a grade. Mm. Is that good?
0: No, it's not effective. No.
1: no. So what if I have a tool like Blukit or Gimkit? I'll put a I'll put the link in the chat. Um. What if I have a, a tool like Blukit or Gimkit, where kids can actually play a game, and get immediate feedback on their math facts? Does that sound pretty good?
2: Yeah, that
0: does. That does.
1: And then they can get points in the game so they can buy stuff so they can have cool stuff to talk about at recess that their friends don't have. How does that sound?
0: That sounds really good.
1: Right. And and I can do that locally. We can do that face-to-face or we can do it remotely, right? So um, this pedagogical approach, we call it the fast and the curious because I don't teach the kids anything. So check this out, Dre. Last year, not last year, but the year before, I went back to teaching in the classroom full-time. My sixth graders would come in on Monday and that we would be doing our Latin roots. And there would be a 15-word quiz. Guess what? i just give them the quiz. Cold turkey. Boom. There's a quiz. And we would take it in Blukit or Gimkit. And then, because Blukit and Gimkit score the whole class right away, I can look at this and I can go, Okay, out of the 15 words, which are the five that most of us missed? So I coach them up a little bit, just like you would mm. in football. Run the play. Bro, that is the B gap. You got to get into the A gap. They're not blocking for that, right? right? Okay. So I run the play. Here's the words. It turns out that my kids know 40% of them. That means I've only got 60% left to teach. I don't have to teach 100%, I only got to teach 60. So I mm-hmm. show them four or five words that they struggle at, and then boom, we take the test right ag- again. We will get 20 points of growth every day like that. Kids are literally laughing and cheering. And if I said, do you want to play again? They would say, oh, yeah. So we go like four minutes, coach them, four minutes out of there. Dre, guess what we're doing tomorrow? Uh, going over the lesson? Same thing. Same thing. We're going to do the same thing tomorrow. There is no lesson.
0: Wait, so hold on, hold on. Guess what we're
1: going to do Wednesday, Trey? <laughs> guess what we're going to do Wednesday? Same thing. I've guess never... we're going to do Thursday? Guess what we're going to do Thursday? <laughs> same thing. Guess what the class average is by Thursday, Dre? Ninety-four percent. Boom. What do I have to correct? How much homework is lost? What's my <clears throat> prep every day? Nothing. And I'm not even making the tests. I'm just going on It and I'm searching for the Latin roots I need. The tests are already there. I'm just stealing them. I'm just straight up hijacking them. Whoa. Seems like you no just... crossword. No word search. No packet. No, no. And remember this? You're young enough. to Remember a teacher walking around going, the next spelling word is collaborate. <laughs> the next spelling word is. Col- I don't even do that. We're just going to wrap it out. What do you do at the beginning of every football practice? You run around the cones, right? Right. Yeah. Because you're going to build muscle memory to make the right reactions. You are going to run around the cones all year, but mm. you're going to get faster. And the mm. and the game that you play around the cones gets fancier. If you're a right. DB, what are you going to do every day? Tip drill. Every day you're going to do tip drill. You know why? In the game, one time a guy is going to tip the ball and you got to have the right reaction. Right. How often do we practice tip drill? Every day. Yeah. How often do we practice our backpedal? every day so this is one layer in my classroom okay so the first layer and we call it the fast and curious it's in the book there i'm just going to rep out stuff like math facts geometric shapes key terms latin roots any of that memorizing stuff it gets done that way i'm gonna Mm. let you respond now (laughs) no it's because and what you're
0: saying is some pretty cool stuff because I've never heard teachers take that approach before so when you when you do that there's a question that did come to my mind how effective is that when you have students because you might get students that are at different um different levels Level? academic Yeah, so how do you – do you just still use that strategy? Or when you you see a
2: point? Okay.
1: I have two answers for you. One answer is, guess who had the highest score on my semester final? My one SPED student destroyed the whole class. Wow. Mm. And I had some gamers in my class. I couldn't beat them, and he beat them. I'm the teacher. And they were faster than me. And he right. beat them all. And he's a sped guy. I had tapped into his Minecraft brain. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. He, he's a sped kid who's nonverbal. But when I show him Latin roots in that context, he's gone. Now, the other way to do it, a teacher showed me, is I can have two games going on. Check it out, Dre. Ready? Over here, we have a game of look or or game kit that's entry level. Play this game till you get 85%. Once you get 85%, I'll put you in the championship round. That's for everybody that's got over 85%. This one's harder. This one's easier. Differentiation. Boom.
0: Wow. So what do you say to, so for first-year teachers, you know, aspiring educators, somebody like myself, so lesson planning is not really necessary.
1: no. No, that's the whole idea of protocols. Think about it like football practice. Once the packages are in, we go like this. Let's say I'm the head coach. Okay, guys, this week we're going to play 40 package, but with the team we're playing, they're a option team, so we're going to make these adjustments. Right. Next week we're playing a team that's run and gun, so we're still going to be in the 40, but we're going to make these adjustments, right? Mm-hmm. You don't tear the whole team down every week.
0: No, you, you don't. You adjust. Yes.
1: So in my world, I just say, okay, we're studying right now. We're studying nouns and verbs. Here's a game that'll teach you nouns and verbs. Because I am not going to stand here and mansplain nouns and verbs to you. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Right. You don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. Get in the game. And when the class average is 95%, we will move on.
0: Wow. That's impressive. And and how did you, because just like I, I know in college, yeah, it's more of a traditional way of teaching, at least from what I've experienced. So how did you stumble across these these different strategies? Are they just from trial and error? or Yeah,
1: it's just a pure accident, bro, because I was uh, in literally probably, I think it was 2000, year 2000. What were you doing in the year 2000?
2: Uh,
0: probably still crawling around or on a bicycle, <laughs> probably. So
1: in in the year 2000, I'm doing my Latin Roots quizzes with my kids, and I realized oh, my God, they never get better. Mm. The kids who get A's get A's. The kids who get D's get D's. Right. And nobody gets better.
2: Mm.
0: So
1: I said, how can we bust this up? How can we change that outcome? So this is how I did it. One week, the kids came in. First day of school, I mean, first day of class, the test is on their desk. And they're like, hey, it's Monday. Why do we have the test? I go, just shut up and take the test, bro. So we take the test. And then we correct, and then uh, I go turn them in because I, te- I teach my kids how to self-correct. And so uh, Tuesday, they walk in, they're like, whoa, we did this yesterday. I go, good, get a better score than yesterday. Mm. And we had identified, uh, that was the final quiz for the quarter. So there were 40 words, but we found that there were 15 that most of us missed. Mm. Not everybody. Right. Uh, here's my ma- here's the math behind this, Dre. If that class average score is 30 out of 45, and most of us miss the same 15, what if I can get everybody to get six more?
2: Mm. What's
1: going to happen? So they've already got 30. They don't need to get 30 again. They need to add six more. So basically, on paper, we did the test Monday. We did the test Tuesday. We did the test Wednesday. We did the test Thursday. And on Thursday, nobody got less than an 85%. And I said, this is a thing. The problem was, it was paper-based, so it was kind of clunky, right? It's a lot of paper, a lot of photos, copies, stapling, and all that business. Mm. So um, uh, the, uh, the it, it, that sat in my head for a couple of years. Then, literally... 12 years later, I'm working at this high school and I'm like, you know that thing I used to do on paper? I can use Kahoot for that. So now I'm like, oh my God, we can correct them in four seconds. It used to take 15 minutes to correct. And then I started going, oh my God, we could do this every day, just like football practice or basketball practice or volleyball Mm -hmm. practice. And now instead of my kids seeing 15 words a week or 30 words a week, Dude, they're cruising 1,800 words a week, 2,000 words a week a piece, with immediate corrections. Now, mm-hmm. that builds confidence. The kids start believing in me as a good teacher. I start leveraging that into them being better students. And we have launched the ship. Wow.
0: Some pedagogy, some good gems that you just dropped, man, that... Yeah that some educators can really take away and can implement like tomorrow. Well, you know, school starts in August, but you get the flow of the drift of, of everything that's going on right now. Um, yep. That's some pretty now, good
1: stuff. it's super important to know this. That's mm-hmm. just the memorizing level. That is not going to win you a game. Mm. Nobody says our Oklahoma drills are so good that we're going to beat you cause right. you got to run the whole game. Yeah, you've right. seen guy, You've seen guys in Oklahoma drills that never start, right? They do great in the Oklahoma drill, but they don't they don't play yeah. the whole game. Yeah. Oh, look yeah. at uh, you know hardhead Mike knocked him over again. Well, he ain't ever going to play cuz that's all he could do. <laughs> right? So <laughs> Yeah. So now now we got to move on to more individualized strategies. So another one that we like that's a classic is the Freyer model. What you'll see a lot of teachers do is they'll say, here's your spelling words. Write them in sentences. Why are we writing them in sentences? We're writing them in sentences to see if we can have the kids understand them better. Mm. Right? And it turns out that that's a wildly ineffective model. So Mm. what we like to use was invented by a nice old lady up in um, um, Madison, Wisconsin, in the late 60s, and it's called a Freyer model. F-R-A-Y-E-R. And basically, you put one word in the middle... And then you put this definition, characteristics, examples, non-examples. Now, that's kind of boring on paper. But when mm. a kid's got a Chromebook or an iPad, that's a party. Because you can Google the definition. You can look up the characteristics. You can put pictures of the examples, non-examples. Mm. So what, now what I'm going to do in my class is I'm going to do like this. Monday and Tuesday, we use Blookit or GimKit using that fast and curious model. And I now know what words they don't know. On Wednesday we frayer them up to start locking them in. Mm. Mm. Thursday we come back and we hit the fast and curious again. Scores are popping.
2: Mm.
0: Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that. So, in in during your instruction, is there a way that you have heard about? Students using their cell phones during their academic learning and making it interesting for them?
1: Heck yeah. In fact, uh, here's the thing. Most people that say that cell phones are a distraction are the people who just want kids to sit and listen to them talk. Well, of course it's a distraction. Kids in my class are moving so fast, they literally don't have time to get their cell phone out. Because everything's like four minutes for this, six minutes for this, eight minutes for this, nine minutes for this, four minutes for this. And I'm constantly walking around the classroom. How you doing? How you doing? That's not right. Go back and fix that one. How does a football coach do it? Does a football coach stand over on the sideline? All the guys over there and he talks to them. No, he's in nah. the huddle. Get your ass going, man. Get your... OK, you got to hook that guy. You got to knock him over. You got to get going. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Now, I don't want to make it sound like my class is hyper, but. A regular classroom would be like an old school, Ohio State, I, longest huddle possible, run the clock. My classroom is no huddle like Oregon. We're going to out-tempo the opposition. So kids are turning things in, finishing things, getting grades, turning things in, finishing things, getting grades. It's up-tempo. And a lot of teachers are scared of that because they fear that when they go up tempo, they're going to have more to grade. Hmm. If I do four papers per class instead of one paper per class, how does Saturday look? Hmm. It looks ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So the easiest way to teach is to stand in front of kids and tell them cool stories and get them to smile and laugh and then clip them down if they don't listen and call their mama if they don't listen and take their recess if they don't listen. And then at the very end say, you got 10 minutes to do this worksheet. And if you don't do it now, you're going to take it home. And 10 year old John and Dre are in the back going, I ain't doing it now. And I ain't doing it at home. So who cares? <laughs> Am I wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> you are like, not. Wrong. Did you just actually tell me I can talk now? and take it home you said that i'm not doing it at all <laughs> and then guess what happens at, at that parent conference which happens around halloween the teacher's like well john hasn't done 43 assignments mm. no crap <laughs> so have i learned anything i have not so in my class i'm eyeballing everything in real time Wow. wow. and i'm okay with you doing it wrong as long as you work.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So imagine me calling your mom after the first day of school, going, Hey, Dre was pretty cool today, but here's the thing. We played this blank game called Blook It. The class, on average, answered 43 questions. Dre only answered six. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to him about just working? I will get him there academically, but th- my brother has got to start repping or it's going to be a long year. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm going to make that call the first day of school. And then mom's like, Dre, just get get in there. Just do it. Cripple's cool. I can tell. Boom. Now we're gone. The Mm. biggest mistake I see young teachers make is they wait until parent conferences to tell the parents what's wrong with their kids. Mm. And the kids are already telling the parents what's wrong with the teacher. You're going to lose.
0: Shoot. By the first week of school.
1: Boom. (laughs) Yep. They're going home. They're saying – Oh, he don't help me. He just says Google it. He doesn't help me. He doesn't do nothing. Oh yeah. He just stands up there and talks. And the mom's like, "Bro, he called me three times this week. It seems like he, it seems like he wants to help." So right. you got to break that part down. You got to break <clears throat> that part down. And then you know what? Sometimes there's parents. I had parents last, uh, my last class. I didn't talk to them all year. That's fine too, because now I know that, that kid's mine. I got to get him there. So I can't threaten him with anything because he don't care. He doesn't have anything going on at home. I got to build something now, which is a totally different game. And you see, again, you see football coaches do this everywhere. Football Mm. coaches don't call moms and dads. They build relationships. Right? Can you imagine this? Hey, your son, the center, he didn't run laps a day. Can you (laughs) you punish him this weekend? No football coach is going to do that. No. Can you imagine? The mom's like, you're the coach. You do your job. So, when I can get a parent to come on board, I'm going to do that. Mm. Most of the time, those parents are having the same struggles I am. Not always.
0: That's very true.
1: I will literally tell the parent, how does he respond when you say it's time to do the dishes? Mm. Does he do them right away? (laughs) Does he give you any pushback? And the mom's like, oh, no, 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 no. The dishes are every night and I go okay I'm having the same problem let's work on this together yeah because the thing is I don't care if you're living with your mom or by yourself the dishes don't stop bro you got to get to peace with that you're mm. going to do the dishes till you get rich you're going to do the dishes every day so we got to figure out how to make that into a peaceful activity
0: mm. and 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 I like what you said about the parents relationship because you know I know sometimes I've heard teachers and me just, you know, just being a student in school that, you know, teachers will, will say, hey, you know, if you don't do this right, or if you don't do this, then, you know, I'll, I'll call your mom and dad, like more like a disciplinary system, I guess. but Oh, yeah. But I me, don't I-
1: tell them I'm calling their mom. I literally start texting mom. like <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, hang on, hang on a second. And they go, what are you doing? I'm texting yeah. mom. <laughs> oh, wow. i don't ask permission it's not gonna be at the end of the day i literally did this one time dre i had a kid who was like super lazy but super smart and so i said okay guys you got to write this quick essay three paragraphs ready go and i walk by and i take my phone i go snap
2: i take oh, a, picture, wow. of his,
1: I take a oh. picture of his paper
2: oh wow I, you I, was start
1: and, I start walking i start walking he goes Whoa, what are you doing? what are you doing i go Oh, I'm going to make a Venn diagram of how your essay looks five minutes from now. And then I'm going to show your mom what you don't do all day. <laughs> and he's like, okay, 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 okay. I'll write it. I'll write it. So I'm not waiting until tonight. Yeah. Mom's got a cell phone. Mom and I are real time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not always, and, and I want to point this out too, it's not always about busting people's chops or, you know, getting in their grill or whatever. I had a girl last year. I looked up. At the end of the first day of class, she had used up my whole box of Kleenex. Wow. Now, in a lot of classes, if you use up a whole box of Kleenex the first day, you're going to get talking to. Mm. But I went over and I go, hey, Steph, what's up? What's up with the Kleenex? This is weird. She goes, oh, it's going to be like this all year. I got allergies and I'm just a leaky bucket. And so literally I do this, Dre. I go like this. She goes, "What, what are you doing? What are you doing? I go, I'm texting your mom. She goes, why? I go, you'll find out. You'll find out. Mm. And I lived in a little bit more of an affluent area. Guess what happened two hours later? What happened? Uh, Stephanie, you got a box to pick up in the office? She goes, "Uh, what? I go, you got a box to pick up in the office. (laughs) So she goes to the office. She comes in with this big smile. You know what she has? A Costco-sized case of Kleenex.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And I go, I texted your mom. You're never going to run out of Kleenex again in my class. Mm, mm, mm. What do you think the buy-in is with her? What the um the what do you think the, the connection is? What do you think the trust is in, at this point?
0: I She'll do whatever I
1: say, bro. Yeah, yeah. She'll yeah. do whatever I say. How do you think the mom feels right now? She feels. She feels pretty comfortable. This is the fourth day of school. Second day of school. She's like, oh man, that cripple guy's on it. He knows my kid. Yeah. Yeah. And most teachers will tell you they are too busy for that yeah. kind of support. Dude, you can't be too busy for that. That's what you do. You yeah. can't be. That's a. Uh, and, and here's the best part, Dre. What are the other kids observing happening between Stephanie and I?
0: They see that you really care.
1: They see like a Marriott, a JW Marriott level of customer service yeah and there's there's even another part to the story guess what happens so i look over she's got her brand new box oh my god she's building another mount everest of kleenex how are most teachers going to deal with that stephanie you need to throw those away stephanie you need to, right they would make it her problem you know what i did i didn't Mm -hmm. say a word Mm -hmm. i just walked over and i put the trash can right by her desk and then Mm -hmm. i kept going Mm -hmm. and she could just go I'm not going to make that a thing. Are you kidding me right now? But what I'm trying to share with you as an aspiring teacher is that was a golden moment to show the kids what my soul looked like as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee you, in my early days of teaching, I'd have been like, Stephanie, you can't be using up all the Kleenex. That's not fair. Dude, she needed all the Kleenex. Stephanie. You need to throw those away. That's a bad habit, to stack those up. Mm. Well, in her head, she's thinking she was following instructions, which are, we're in COVID. Don't go walking around. Right? Right. right. So those are subtle, but critical inter- interactions. Critical interactions. Mm. Yes, yes. I had another girl. Another girl showed up, and her shirt said, hint, I don't care. Mm. That's what her shirt said. And I, I, she's at recess, and I take a picture of it. She's like, whoa, whoa, what do you do? What do you do? I go, I'm going to text that to your daddy. And she's like, whoa, oh, oh, I could wear this. I could wear this. Nobody can stop me. And so I text it to dad and I go, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> dad, boom, texts me right back. Yeah. Oh, we are so sorry. She snuck out with that shirt. We didn't know. We oh, we won't let her wear that again. I go, I go, Maya, point at me. She, she does one of these right here with the shirt I I go point at me I take she goes what are you doing I go I'm sending this to your dad you just got got punked (laughs) dad's like oh dude you had me going that's the difference between pain and misery yeah right right that job's still hard I still got 500 things to do we still got to wash our hands for two hours I still got I still got to repeat myself that stuff's never going to stop but those little interactions are what position you in the minds of kids and parents mm-hmm. as a dude who's going to get them from here to there. Because to me, the essence of being a teacher is I'm going to get you from here to there. It's mm-hmm. not telling you things like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to be mean this year because you're going to middle school next year. That is, mm-hmm. that is a lie. Oh, I got to be mean to you this year because you're going to be in high school next year. Mm-hmm. That is a lie. Why am I wrecking this year because of next year?
2: Mm.
1: It makes no sense. But that's what our profession has done, and I think it's because it's the easy way out. So what I'm trying to share with young teachers is, if you want to be happy with your career, you can't do those behaviors. Mm. Mm. Here's Here's another litmus test for you, Dre. Let's pretend you have a kid. Your kid's on the cheerleading team. Does your kid have the cheerleading coach's phone number? Probably so. Your kid is on the baseball team. Does your kid have the baseball coach's cell number?
0: Probably so. I would think so.
1: Your kid goes to youth camp. Does your kid have the counselor's cell number?
0: Probably so. More than likely. Uh,
1: Your kid's in a band. Do they have... The, the the band director's cell number?
0: I would believe so. Your,
1: your, your child is in a ninth grade English class. Do they have the teacher's cell number? No. That's a freaking problem right there.
2: Yeah.
1: That is the problem right there. Because when you say you can't have my cell number, you're saying I don't care about you as a person. Mm. You're just a commodity to me. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a bag of water that shows up in my class and I try to make you do my bidding and then I throw you out at the end of the year and I'm not engaged with you as a person. That's the nonverbal. Mm. And I want to be clear, there: you don't necessarily have to give your real cell number. There's lots of ways you can do that. There's Google Voice. Um, most school districts have something like Parent Square or ClassTag. You don't have to give me your personal number. But you have to say to them, this is how you can find me anytime. And guess what I got because of giving out that number, Dre? Christmas morning. You know what I'm getting in my inbox? Texts from kids showing me their presents. What's the bad part? What's the bad part? If that's right. going to piss me off on Christmas, I should probably be in another job. Yeah. Guess what I'm doing? I'm texting back what I got. Oh, I got new soap. Dads <laughs> get soap. They don't get good stuff.
0: Right, right, right. Most definitely. Man. And I think
1: we're, we're moving towards wrapping up here. I'm not rushing you.
0: No, you're good. You're good.
1: I'm going to tell you another thing I did. I had been teaching in the classroom for 18 years or so. I right. went back after having been a principal and an assistant superintendent. Right? Oh, yeah, you so did. So I have not been a full-time teacher for about six years. But I fired myself from leadership. I said, I want to get back to the classroom and see how good I can do. And I had a really weird idea right before I met my kids for the first time. And this is how I met my kids for the first time. We were in a Zoom. Mm. I met my class in Zoom. And I got them all on and I said, look, I want to tell you guys something. I've been doing this for a while. I know how it works. Right. I will, I will be at some of your weddings. Mm. Do you know how sixth graders respond to that? All oh, the screens I mean, went blank they you're like, what? I go, in 15 years, I will probably meet your kids outside of the Target on Cedar Avenue. Hmm. You're going to be walking and you're going to go, these are my kids. I might perform your wedding. I've now married three of my former students. I've been the, the officiant. Nice, nice. I no. might adopt one of you. How do I know that? I have. I've adopted one of my students and sent her to college. Nice. Wow. You might call me in 15 years and say, Krippa, which is the best MacBook to buy? You might call me in 10 years and go, Crippa, I'm thinking about buying a house. How does that work? You know how I know that? Because I've been doing this for 20 years. I, this is not a one-year experience for me. Some of you and I will be friends for the rest of our lives. We're going to follow each other on Instagram. You're going to DM me when you have your baby. You're going to say, I named my baby John because of you. They all start cracking up. I go, you know, this, this is not a 180-day thing. And here's why I'm telling you guys this. I'm going to treat you with the respect of a person who could be my friend for the rest of my life. I'm not going to treat you like a temporary person in my life. And just in case you're wondering, I have plenty of friends. I am not recruiting for friends. I'm just telling you, when you hang out with somebody for 180 days and eat lunch together almost every day and then, you know, work together, it is very natural for you to keep working together for the rest of your life. And during that year, I had two of my former students show up as subs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and i'm like oh this kid was in my class eight years ago look who's here i go you guys and they're like oh it's true and it really changed the perspective of how the kids interacted with me because i'm positioning myself i don't know if you're a lord of the rings guy at all but i'm positioning myself as gandalf like i'm here Mm -hmm. my support for you won't end on the last day of school you're Mm -hmm. not a temporary situation And I think if teachers thought in those terms more often, I think it would really make a difference in how their classes behaved.
0: Right. Most definitely. No, and that's that's some good stuff you share, man. And like you said, we're definitely uh, about to start wrapping things up. But before we do, of course, I always like to ask my guests, where do you see yourself in the next five years?
1: Um, well, for me, I'm gonna just like what I do now is uh, professionally full time. I'm supporting schools. So what I'd like to do for the next five years is to work with as many schools as I can, trying to share those kinds of techniques, the edge protocol stuff, because I think that um, the amount of time that we spend in school, we're not getting a good trade off for that. Mm. Like if, if we sp- imagine how good we'd be at football if we had played. Six hours a day, 180 days a year, how good we would be at football or bowling or volleyball. And yet we are not getting better at school. Mm -hmm. And so my goal over the next five years is to get this systematic enough that people can see how to do this. And this is key. I don't want to be robots of me. The biggest thing about teaching is you got to be you. Uh, If you imitate me, it's not going to go well. If I imitate you, it's not going to go well. But taking these basic concepts, I guess it'd be kind of like being a cook, right? Your mom and your grandma or your mom and your aunt, they might cook very differently. They could both be great cooks, but they cook their things. Like maybe my aunt is really good at like big dinners and maybe my mom is really good at cakes and pastries. That's cool. Do your thing. Nobody's going to get mad because you brought cinnamon rolls for dinner. Nobody's ever going to complain. <laughs> right. right. But but they both understand that the food has to be fresh, cold, or hot, and delicious. They aren't mm. going to bring you old food. They aren't going to bring you canned food. They're not going to dump out the beans in a bucket and then heat them up and go, I hope you like dinner. And, and so I'm trying to get people off of that idea that teaching is just handing out curriculum. Teaching is a human experience. It's an interaction and a relationship between you and the kids. And I don't, have you ever seen the old movie? It's an old movie now. Uh, Joe Dirt. You yeah, seen that I movie? Seen that. Oh, okay. If you got some time to kill, Joe Dirt uh, is hilarious. But there's a scene in the movie where he's out in the desert and he meets an Indian guy, and the Indian guy has a fireworks uh, warehouse. He's got a side, uh, you know, next to the store. He sell next to the highway. He sells fireworks. And Joe Dirt comes up to him and he says, and Joe Dirt's kind of a a southern guy. And he goes, "Uh, what kind of fireworks you got, man? And the the Indian guy goes, snakes and sparklers. Mm. And Joe Dirt goes, where's the screaming memes? Where's the hoosker News? Where's the bottle Rockets? Where's the Screamers? Where's the Whistling beats? And he lifts off about 47 kind of fireworks. Why don't you have any of those, man? And the Indian guy goes, because this is what I like. And Joe Dirt goes, well, that's the problem right there. It's Mm. not what you like, it's what the consumer likes. Mm. (laughs) And so when we get our teaching credentials, sometimes we believe that we are actually in control of our classroom. You're gonna have a lot more control by serving the kids and understanding the kids and relating to the kids. Because a lot of teachers, and I, I would love to hear your reaction to this, teachers confuse control with suppression. Hmm. See, I have great class control. Nobody talks back. Bro, that is suppression. You think so? Mm. Control means that they will call me out in an appropriate way when I'm actually wrong. And I'm actually wrong at least one time a day because I'm a human person. Yeah. Hand goes up. Uh, hey, crippo, you said read page 42. Why does it say 46 on the board? Yes. Yes. Good one. That's not talking back. That's keeping it real.
0: That's real.
1: Right? And this is the kind of class I had last year. It's a long story, but I'll make it really short. My principal walked in, walked right past me, pointed at my class, and said, you guys are the worst class in school.
2: Whoa.
1: Now, bear in mind, we had not talked about this. So the principal hadn't been telling me for a week, you know, clean this up or fix this. Or... He just does this out of the blue. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God, they're, they're sixth graders. They're going to start crying. They're going to start texting their mom. This is going to be a big old mess. Guess what happened, Dre? And, and <laughs> I loved it. I loved this. This happened in March. Hand goes up. What? A sixth grader asks the principal of this question: "Can you give us some reasons for your opinion?" Whoa! Are you serious? Mm-hmm. So, oh, and he, <laughs> and he didn't have any. He started saying <laughs> stuff like, "Well, you know," and oh, so
0: he. Didn't as a
1: principal on the spot on the spot respectfully right next hand goes up next hand goes up and i'm like oh shit it is on <laughs> next hand goes up ready do you have any data to support your No, opinion? no
2: no 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 oh no. yeah
1: oh See, yeah no. yes
2: wow now
0: wow
1: <laughs> some teachers would have been horrified that kids were talking to the principal that way. I'm like, get him. Don't let him gaslight you. Don't let him make stuff up. And you know the best part of the story was? They had him backing out of the classroom. He was backing out. In COVID, in COVID, he said, if you guys keep being good, we'll have a sixth grade dance. And I'm like, bro, it's COVID. They could be no dance. You're just <laughs> gaslighting him to get out now. And here's the best, best part, Dre. Wow. Never a word was said again. Dude. The kids knew they owned him. They never said a word. When he left, they were like, hey, let's go back to work. They didn't even care. They didn't even care. That's the kind of class that I want to raise. if my class had been about suppression, that hand would have never gone up. Correct? Right. right, That hand would have never gone up.
2: You're right.
1: They would have been afraid to defend themselves appropriately. The only thing I'm mad about on that is I wish I had video, bro. I wish I had video. (laughs) I should have been like, oh, hello, hello. Mm. (laughs) Hello. To me, is that a good way to kind of wrap it up though? Like, school is not as big as educating people to be self sufficient in the world. Oh, by the way, I don't want to brag, but that same class during COVID, when we were in masks and the little cages and everything, my class grew 40 points in math Mm -hmm. and they doubled their language arts skills at the same time that they were learning in real life how to defend themselves from an adult that was going to gaslight them.
0: Man, you know, and and I'm going to be honest, man. Like you sharing that has even like um, just brought some things to my attention because sometimes I personally, I realized when I got my first professional job, maybe about two or three years ago, Maybe about two years ago, I realized I struggle with questioning authority. And yeah. I do think, and I well, do. Well, you've
1: been trained that by school. Right. And I'm school, saying that's what school saying is like, all about. Where are you on the ladder? And the reality of it, life is a meritocracy. If you're not sure, check with TikTok. If you've got good stuff, you're going to rise up. Yeah. TikTok's not about who's the oldest or the right. first one in. TikTok's about, do you have good content? Are you doing stuff that's making me laugh or cry or go, oh, man, that's interesting. Yeah. Just use YouTube, TikTok. And the, the world is a meritocracy. Only in school do we suppress people, only because I'm old.
0: That's crazy, man. That's deep. That's,
1: that's deep. true, though. I got a book for y'all to read if any people are still listening to us. Uh, you want to read The End of Average by Todd Rose? Um And uh, it blew my mind when I read it four years ago. But the bottom line is the bell curve was created by the same guy that invented eugenics so that they could throw people out of school and keep certain people out of college. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand if you're going to participate in public education, any educators that are listening, you got to understand how we got here and why we do the things we do. And if you ever felt like you were being treated unfairly in school, this is like the DNA. This is like the how we got here. And so you don't understand how to undo a thing until you understand why we do it. Does that make sense? No,
0: that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. And we, so we, that's a really critical book to read. And then one other one, if you don't like reading whole books, there's a blog post called 17 Reasons Football is Better Than High School. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes through. He studied kids for a whole year in Northern California, and he compared the way they acted at football with the way they acted in their language arts class. And he gives you the answers about why school is not effective. Dre, that article's from two uh from 1998, and yet we're not changing the way we do school. Think how much football's changed since 1998. Oh, wow. If I pulled a guy out of 1998 and try to get him to play football today, it'd take him a month to get up to speed. Yeah. But I could take that same guy out of 1998 and put him in his English class. He'd be just fine. You know why? In English <laughs> class, you shut up and you write the essay. Yeah. So, you know, those the understanding that, if you're going to be an educator for the rest of your life, understand why we're broken. Otherwise, you can't escape our history.
0: Wow. And where can the people follow you?
1: Uh, Twitter at jaycarippo, TikTok at jaycarippo, uh, edgyprotocols.com, Jay Caripo at Gmail. Uh, I do free lifetime tech support. So if anybody listen to anything and they're like, what was that book? Email me, tweet me. I'll hook you up. And Dre, like I said, I already sent you the book. What I'd like to do is come back in about a month or two and do a follow-up now that you've kind of chewed on some of this. Yeah. Let's, let's come back and, and go next level. Cause I'm still just giving you the intro level. I mean, this is like the matrix. I mean, this goes deep. uh um, yeah. there's a lot, a lot going on and a lot to unpack. It's easy. Right. Um, but I just think it's a matter of unless you know what it is you want to do, you won't know how to do it differently. Right. Right.
0: Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on this podcast, man. I tell you, you have challenged me. <laughs> And like some of the, the the things that you have said, that like how traditional education is, and how you go about education, it's like wow, it's just it's just a fresh perspective. So thank you for thank you for coming on the Schoolhouse Podcast, and thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom today. And we definitely got to do a part two. In
1: fact, sure. when you start doing your first year, so when you get your first classroom. Let's do a series all year long.
0: Okay. That sounds like a plan. Okay. Okay. You're
1: a popular That's guy, man. Get that phone.
0: <laughs> man, on a podcast, this is my main priority. I should have put it on silent.
2: <laughs> but this is no my worries. main.
0: But all right, man. Sounds good. We'll definitely do a part two soon. And that sounds like a plan as well. So thank Love you it. so much. And have a man. great
1: weekend, man. Thanks for inviting me. It's a privilege to be able to share the hard earned knowledge that I've got with young right. educators. So I'm here to share it all. That's what I'm all about.
0: All right. Sounds good. All right, all right man. man. See ya. See ya. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Podcast Office. Man, John drop knowledge and wisdom on a different level. I know we kind of went long-winded today, but the Schoolhouse podcast is still jumping. You know, one key takeaway that I want you all to know is that, hey, you're that educator. You know, encourage your students to be okay with question questioning authority. You know, prime example, John... Principal, his principal came into his class and said that you guys are the worst class. And they're like, why? And then they're like, okay, what's the data to show as to why we're bad? Had I been in sixth grade, I would have never asked the principal why. It was like, no, you do not question authority. You do not question older people. It was just a sign of disrespect. But no, they're human too. You know, students are human too. They can... They can question authority They can You know ask questions So hey look man It's the Schoolhouse Podcast As always It's Jumping Peace and out